Good to see you this morning. Good to be in worship with you. And uh, just want to welcome you if you're a guest with us. We're glad that you're here. If you're a regular, uh, we are glad that you're here. And for those of you who are with us online, uh, we're thankful for this technology that keeps us connected. Um, I was one of those people that was watching last week online. We missed being here with you, but it was it was neat to be able to be on this annual Appalachian Trail hike that I go on with my boys. I was telling a few people um, in between the services, um, you know, I'm, I'm in this series about training versus trying, and I did not train as much as I should have trained for that Appalachian Trail hike. And there's a couple of moments in there where I was like, oh, I should practice what I preach a little bit better and train before I try to hike mountains. Uh, but it was a good time, uh, and I was thankful uh, that we were able to connect and be a part uh, of the service, even though I wasn't here physically, and so grateful uh, for the word that the Lord uh, brought to us through Pastor Deanne and uh, just how she was able to communicate that truth to us, and uh, what, what a wonderful message. But hey, it's uh, good to be with you this morning. Uh, we are um, in the last message of this series you can do hard things. Um, uh, six weeks ago, we kicked this series off and we talked about how there's just a lot of things in life that you can't, you can't try to do, right? You, you can't try to play the piano. You can't try to run a marathon. You got to train for a lot of things. There's just, there's certain hard things that you have to train to do. And what we have been discovering is following Jesus is one of those things. Following Jesus is, is one of, am I really loud or is it just me? All right, maybe turn me down a little bit, but um, following Jesus is, is one of those things that um, it, it's just hard to try to do. And, and too many of us, we've prayed a prayer and we, we pray a prayer and then we try to follow Jesus and we don't do it well and we think, well, maybe the prayer didn't stick. And the reality is, is the prayer did stick. We are forgiven. We're redeemed. We're, we're made new creations in Christ. But the reality is there's a whole lot of growth that needs to happen. And that growth happens not through trying. That growth happens through training. So we've been talking about different spiritual disciplines, spiritual training routines that Christians have been using for 2,000 years uh, to help us follow Jesus better and uh, we're going to end the series today on what is the hardest of them all, all right? Um, the reason I say that is um, this is the one that is just, it's really difficult for us to do. It fights against all of our human nature, and yet if we can get this one right, we will experience freedom and we'll experience wholeness and healing in our lives that we won't have any other way without building this routine into our life. So uh, our theme verse for this whole series has been 1 Timothy 4, 7-8. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Don't just try to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So today, we're going to talk about how can we train to be accountable. Um, and the reason we have to talk about how to train to be accountable is it just doesn't come naturally to us. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn with me uh, to the book of James. James chapter 5 is where uh, we're going to look at this key passage 
James chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, says this. Are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly, no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. So, uh, this is the word of the Lord for us today, and we are thankful for it, even though uh, it might be a hard teaching for us. Um, and so, uh, as we dive into this, um, th- this passage is difficult for a couple of reasons. Uh, it- it's a difficult passage because, first of all, some of us are bothered because James seems to make a connection between sickness and sin. James seems to make a connection between uh, if you want to ask for healing and pray to be healed, there's something about confessing that is involved in finding healing. And, and that's, that's a little bothersome to us, and it, it kind of takes us back a little bit. And then the, the second thing that makes us uncomfortable at this passage is then James tells us that we are to actually confess to each other. And that really makes us uncomfortable because, you know, we, we don't like to do that at all. It's like, hey, it's between me and God, and, and now i got to start telling other people and Ah, that just, all of that makes us really uncomfortable. Um, the, the thought of confessing to God we're okay with. You know, we just sang this song about it's the blood of Jesus, right? And confessing to Jesus and allowing the blood of Jesus to forgive us of our sins. And, and by the way, if you're not a follower of Jesus here and you're brand new at this and just checking out church and checking out Jesus, you need to know it starts here it starts with confessing to Jesus, right? You don't start with confessing to others. You start with just confessing to Jesus, and he forgives you of your sins, that, that he throws your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. And as Corey Ten Boom says, posts a sign, no fishing allowed. Um, and so, you know, that, that, that's where it all begins, but, but this is kind of deeper in. This is deeper in, and, and, and as we mature in Christ and as we train to be godly, Scripture tells us that we need to confess to one another, and that makes us really uncomfortable. If you're like me, that, that makes us really uncomfortable. And so here's the thing. Some of us would say, the past is nobody's business. What, what I've done is between me and God, and nobody else needs to know, and I would rather die than open up my inner secrets and my doubts and my fears and my hurts and my wrongs to someone else. And in this passage, James would seem to say, you might get your wish. There seems to be a connection between sickness 
and sin. Now, uh, in your notes, you should write this down because I want to be very clear about this. Uh, write this down. All sin brings with it a kind of sickness, right? There, there's just a, a kind of sickness that comes with all sin. However, not all sickness is a result of personal sin. We just need to know that, that uh, if you get the flu, it's not because you have hidden sin in your life, you just got the flu bug, all right? Um, if you uh, have cancer, it's not because you have hidden sin in your life, it's just because you got cancer, right? There's not all sickness is a result of hidden sin or personal sin, but Scripture is very clear that all sickness is a result of sin. In, in the Garden of Eden, when God created everything and it was perfect, there was no sickness. There was, there was no death. It wasn't a part of the original blueprint plan. Uh, sickness is a result of the fall of man. Sickness is a result of sin. And so uh, the world as we know it was not how it was intended to be. The world as we know it, with, with all of the, 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 the messed up things and the, the brokenness of creation, it's just not how it was meant to be. It's not how it was created to be. We live in a broken world. But Scripture tells us, so what's the connection between confession and healing? Scripture tells us we not only live in a broken world, but I'm broken, and you're broken. And every person who lives on the earth is broken. And that there is a pathway to move from brokenness to wholeness. And part of that pathway is in confessing to at least one trusted friend. And, and I would go as far as to say, men, that needs to be a man. And ladies, that needs to be a lady. And, and as we talk about confessing, uh, don't hear me wrong. I don't want you to just get a megaphone and start confessing everything to everyone, right? That, that wouldn't be wise. A, a general rule of thumb is the, the confession needs to be as public as the sin. And so um, you need to confess to at least one other person, and you need to confess um, to the people that you have hurt and the people that you have uh, brought pain into their life through your sin. And so uh, as we look at all of this... Um, it's important to kind of think back to how it all got messed up with Adam and Eve, right? So Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. Everything's perfect. Everything's beautiful. They are clean. They are pure. They're open. They're honest. They're, there's no guilt. There's no shame. And then they do the one thing God told them not to do. They, they step across the one line. God said, don't do this. And, and the reason they stepped across it is because the there was, there was deception involved, like God's holding back from you. That's the, reason, that's the reason we always sin, right? It's the reason we always go against God's best is because we buy into the lie that God's holding something back good from us. It, that Satan tells us, hey, you know what? There's, there, there's something good over here, and, and God's trying to keep you away from that good thing. And, and that was the lie that was told. And, and they eat of the fruit, and immediately they know that something's wrong. Immediately, they, they have guilt for the first time. Immediately, they have shame for the first time. Immediately, everything is messed up. And, and the first thing that they did, they realized they were naked. Their innocence was gone. They realized they were guilty. They were filled with this sense of shame. And then they just began this 
series of sin management that every single person for the history of the world has done since that time. You've done it, I've done it, every person has done it, and it started with Adam and Eve. And I just want to look at these things because this is, this is what accountability works directly against. I want you to see the problem before we look at the solution. And the first thing in this sequence of sin management is they try to cover it up. Adam and Eve immediately sew some fig leaves together and start pretending they're not naked, right? They just, that's the first thing they do is like, well, let's just cover this up and see if we can't, you know, make it go away. And when that doesn't work, the second thing they do is they try to hide from God. They, they, try, to, they try to hide. They kind of jump in some bushes and they not only try to hide from God, they hide from each other. They're, they're in this place of hiding because they, they don't want God to see what's going on on the outside. They, they want to keep this image of the garden that they've messed up. And, and so they, they begin to hide. And there's this sense that um, you know, we all have where we, we want to hide what's going on on the inside. And so we project this image that everything's okay when really everything's a mess on the inside. And, and so they try to cover it up. They try to hide. And then the next thing that they do, because what's interesting is God gives them an opportunity to confess. Do you remember this? There's, there's actually a direct opportunity where God asks them this specific question. Did you eat of the fruit? Did you eat? He gives them the opportunity to confess. And it wasn't that God was seeking information, right? God didn't need to know, like, he wasn't, like, trying to get the facts straight. You know, just the facts, ma'am. Did you eat the fruit? Um, he wasn't looking for information. He was looking for confession because he understood the importance and the value of confession. He, he wanted them to take responsibility for what they had done so that they could create a pathway for restoration to happen. There, there's a, he, he wanted them to come clean, isn't that an interesting phrase we have for confession? He wanted them to come clean. And there is something about confession that is coming clean. And, and they don't do it. They, they do the very next step in sin management that we all do after we try to cover it up and then we try to hide is they shift blame. Because it's always somebody else's fault, right? It's always somebody else's fault. They, they did just the opposite. They start blaming. Adam does it. Like, I love Adam. He is a master of blame shifting. This is what Adam does. In five words, he says this. This woman you gave me. I love it. I love it, right? In five words, he manages to blame Eve and blame God. This woman you gave me. Um, and, you know, it's not my fault, it's this woman that you gave me, blames God, blames Eve. And then Eve starts blaming the serpent, well, I was deceived, it wasn't my fault. And, I mean, it just it proves how good we are at, as humans of, of finger-pointing, masquerading, blame-shifting. We, we just don't want to take responsibility. But when it comes to our sin... It's, it's about owning the responsibility, and it's not about covering up and hiding and, and shifting the blame, because the very next thing that happens in this story 
is uh, we look at their two sons, the, the two oldest boys of Adam and Eve are Cain and Abel. And the two oldest boys, um, one's a farmer, Cain's a farmer, and Abel's a rancher, and sin gets a hold of their hearts in the same way that sin got a hold of the heart of their parents. And sin begins to create division in them, as it always does, creates fragmentation, it creates competition and jealousy and anger and plotting and ultimately murder in cold blood. And God gives Cain an opportunity to confess, just like he gave Adam and Eve an opportunity to confess. He gives them an opportunity to come clean, and he was looking for some honesty, but instead he got uh, this lack of responsibility. So in your notes, you can write this down. The fourth step is we just stop taking responsibility for each other. We stop taking responsibility for each other because this is what happens when, when, uh, when God asks Cain, hey, where's your brother? When God asks Cain, where's your brother? He, he doesn't, he, again, God's not looking for information. He knows where his brother is, right? He, he doesn't need the information. He's looking for confession. He's looking for him to come, come clean, to be honest, so that a pathway for restoration could be made. And yet Cain can't do it because Cain is way more interested in covering up. Cain is way more interested in hiding. He's way more interested in blaming. And he's way more interesting in not taking responsibility for what he's done. And so his answer, if you remember, is, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is Yes! Yes, Cain, you are your brother's keeper. Like, although you've really tried to make this about how you have no responsibility and you're not in charge and you don't do it, the answer is yes, you are your brother's keeper, that you are responsible to your brother. That there's, there's responsibility not just for yourself, but for the people around you and for the actions that have caused pain in the people around you. And so we pretend to ourselves that my actions don't impact other people and we say well it's just about me and it's what I want and it's what I need and instead of training ourselves to be accountable to other people we buy into the lie that I can just live in my little silo and I can do what I want to do and it doesn't impact anybody else and it's just between me and God and the reality is is you are your brother's keeper it's the whole point of that story is that your actions cause ripple effects for good or bad to the people around you. And we've just got to accept that and, and recognize it. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, we confess to God and we're forgiven. But James says, if you want to find healing, if you want to find restoration... You've got to start confessing to at least one other person. It's in confessing to other people that we begin to find healing in our life. And so, uh, confess your sins to each other. I, I say this all the time. You can confess your sins to God and be forgiven. But if you want to be healed, you better confess to someone else. Uh, it's just there's something powerful about that and true about that. And so in your notes, you can just write this down. Accountability helps us break sin's power in our life. Accountability helps us break sin's power in our life. Secrecy and sin go hand in hand. 
Secrecy and sin go hand in hand. And um, I, I think it's so important uh, for us to recognize and, and to know that when something is in the dark, it grows power. And when you drag it into the light, it loses that power. First uh, John 1 5 says it this way This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, now listen to this connection that's made. If we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. So there's a connection between living in the light, having fellowship with other people, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. There's just this interesting connection between living in the light, being connected in fellowship with other people, and being redeemed and forgiven and cleansed. And there is a healing and a restoration that happens when we open our lives up to other people. And so uh, if you've got an area of your life, and th this is different for all of us, so uh, if you are younger in here, if you're a teenager, uh, if you are older in here, if you're middle-aged in here, wherever you're at on the spectrum, we all have different temptations, we all have different struggles. If you're a guy, you have different struggles than if you're a lady, but we all have different temptations, we all have different struggles, we all have different challenges. And what this is saying to us is that there is something about when you're struggling with something and you're praying about it, and I was like, well, I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, but I keep struggling, and I keep praying, and I keep struggling, and I keep praying. If you're willing to drag it to the light and share it with at least one other person, the power is diffused from that thing. There's something about that that you can not only be forgiven, but you can find healing and wholeness and restoration. So, things to remember. Let me, let me just give you a few things to remember. You can write these in your notes. Uh, number one, we, we all have a traitor within. Uh, James 1.14 says this, Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. Now, keep, keep that verse uh, up there for, for just a minute. I, this is a really interesting verse because what this tells us is it's not the bait that catches the fish it's the fish's appetite that catches the fish so th think about this for a minute it's you know if you if you're a fisher person all right so all right some of you ladies like to fish uh, if you're a fisher person right um and you throw the wrong bait into the water and the, the bait is not what catches the fish, right? Because you can put the wrong bait in front of fish all day long and they won't bite. What catches the fish is the appetite of the fish. And, and what scripture tells us is there are certain appetites that we all have and, and they're different in all of us. And, and those appetites that come from within, scripture says, temptation comes from our own desires. And James is writing this to Christians, by the way. James is writing this to the church. James isn't writing this to lost people who are far from God. He's writing this to the church. And he's saying, hey, even Christians can have temptations and desires that come from within that can drag us away. 
And, and that comes from inside of us. And number two, you can write this down. This is important information to know just about human nature is anonymity brings sin. Anonymity breeds, excuse me, sin. Um, when you're anonymous, when it's secret, that traitor within you, that temptation within you, that, that appetite that you have within you is stronger when you're in secret. Every time. People behave better when other people are watching. That's just the truth. Um, if, if you think about this, um, we, we used to have uh, Crossbridge bumper sticker magnet things, and uh, I used to have one on my car. And I was always amazed at how much better I drove when I had one of those Crossbridge magnets on the back of my car. Um, I, I was always amazed because I was always thinking, well, you know, I can't cut people off in traffic. You know, it's like, hey, that guy goes to Crossbridge or, you know, and so now I don't have it. I can behave however I want on the highway. Um, that's not true. But, uh, but, you know, you just behave better when people are watching. Um, when I was a military chaplain um, and I was, a, I was the maintenance flight line chaplain and I used to go out on the flight line and, and these guys would be all huddled up and they would be telling some really, you know, terrible story of some sort and the, the language was you know could curl your hair kind of a moment and and I would just walk up and and they oh chaplain's here chaplain's here everybody shh you know uh, and I would listen I'm, I don't want to be the cuss police that you know I've, I've heard worse and I would tell them that but there was just something in them that didn't want to talk the way they were talking when the chaplain was there it was just something about that I, you know um, if your grandmother gets in your car you might not listen to the music you were listening to before your grandmother gets in the car. Um, there's just something about other people watching us that causes us to behave better. Now, this is human nature. You can deny this if you want, but it's reality. It's reality. And so instead of denying it, how about we just accept this truth and we find ways to combat against this so there's a traitor inside of us. Anonymity breeds sin. And then number three, when the truth hurts, most of us prefer a lie. If, if, there's, a, if there's a difference between me telling the truth about something that doesn't look good in my life or projecting an image that makes me look better than I am, most of us want to project the image. We just... If the truth hurts, we're all about projecting the image. We're all about projecting what's not true in the lie. And so the biblical concept of accountability works directly against these three parts of our human nature. Our human nature is, no matter how much you've been walking with Jesus, you have temptations within you, right? We are all tempted in different ways. Human nature is you will be tempted, and it comes from within. Human nature is you behave better when other people are watching. And human nature is we all have this desire to project an, project an image that we're better than we really are. And if we know that, accountability fights against all of those directly. And, and so here's some marks of accountable life. You can write these in your notes. Number one, just take responsibility. Take responsibility. Um, when, whenever we get caught in something, 
we're like the kid that has their hand in the cookie jar. I'm not getting the cookie. You know, it's like, uh, we just we don't want to take responsibility. We don't want to take responsibility for what we've done. We don't want to take responsibility for how it has hurt and impacted other people. Uh, we blame others. We shift the blame, and, and we don't take it on ourselves. Uh, but the first step to finding healing and wholeness is taking responsibility and owning what we have done, owning the impact that it has made, owning the ripple effects that it has caused, and asking for forgiveness from God and asking for forgiveness from other people that we have hurt. That's just the, the first thing that's so important. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says it this way, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. So there's something about pulling it to the light and confessing. No, number two, accept correction. So if you're going to take responsibility, you've got to then be open to some correction. And we don't like that, do we? We don't like it when people correct us. We, we don't like it uh, when, when there are consequences for our choices. We absolutely uh, don't like that. And yet there are always things that come about when we take responsibility. We've, we've got to be open to accepting correction. Proverbs 12, 1 says it this way, To learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. I love that verse. I love that verse. There's, there's a lot of stupid things that, that we do. Now, in our family, um, we don't say the word stupid. If, if Melanie heard Benjamin say stupid to one of his uh, little brothers or sister, uh, Melanie would say, hey, we don't use the S word in this house. Or if she heard Ethan say that, or if she heard Land, you know, we don't use the S word. Like, except for in this passage, it seems to say that it's okay every now and then to use the word stupid. Um, because there's just some stupid things that we do. Um, there are stupid things we do while other people are watching. Um, and the reality is we've got to be open to disciplines so that we uh, can have correction. Proverbs uh, 19.27 says this, If you stop listening to instruction, you will turn your back on knowledge. And what this means is, in other words... You could be a Christian for a long time. You could be walking for a long time with Jesus. But if at any point you stop listening to correction and you say, well, now I've got it all together. Now I don't need to listen to any correction. I don't need to listen to any input. I've got this all figured out. According to this passage, if at any point you stop listening to instruction, you literally turn your back on knowledge. I mean, that's, that's a powerful, powerful thing. So number three, just live transparently. Live, live transparently. We, we live in a it's none of your business society, don't we? It's just kind of like the place where none of your business, right? That's my business. That's not your business. Um, it, you know, I, I've got my private world and you've got your private world and this is my thing and that's your thing. That's just the culture and the world that we live in. And yes, in America, we have some legal rights to privacy. We just do. But as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus, let's not confuse our legal rights and what's best for us. Let's just think about this for a minute. Anytime, um, 
any time someone is trying to hide something, I, I want my right to privacy. I don't think you need to know what's going on in my life. I, I have these rights to privacy. Anytime someone lives in that space, there's usually something going on that they're hiding. Think about this. Nobody hides what they're proud of, right? If you're really proud of something and there's something good in your life, you want to tell everybody about it. You probably post it on Facebook or post it on some social media, and you just put it out there for the world to know. The stuff that you're like, yeah, but that, this is private. This is, this is between me and God, and it's usually something you're ashamed of. It's usually something that you're not wanting out in front of other people. People don't hide what they're proud of. They hide what they're ashamed of. So accountable people shouldn't hide. Accountable people, as followers of Jesus, we should be trying to think, how can I live the most transparently? How can I live the most transparently at home with my computer use, with my phone use? How, how can I be so transparent with the way I use my finances, with the way that I do my business dealings? How can I just live transparently? Because the more transparently I live, the better I'll behave. It's just the truth. Uh, because Jesus is watching, yes. But when Jesus is watching and a bunch of other people, you'll just behave even better. It's, it's the way uh, that we are as people. So living transparently is living with as few secrets as possible. That is a different way of living than most people in our culture live, and yet it's a, it's a way that God says we could find uh, healing and wholeness. Um, so let me, let me close by just giving us some practical tips. All right, now, um, these, these aren't in your notes, uh, but these are just some practical tips because here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to leave today and go, huh, well, I guess I should do that. Have no idea how. Don't know where to start because I don't have anybody in my life that I trust to do that with. So therefore, I'll just leave here feeling bad and I won't begin to do this training discipline. All right, so let me just give us some practical tips uh, with, with the few minutes that I have left. Uh, number one, uh, just pray that God would help you have someone in your life like this. Just pray for that. Ask the Lord to lead you to a friend that you can be honest and transparent with. Um, I've shared this story with you before. Uh, some of you heard it. Some of you haven't. But we moved here a little over 10 years ago uh, to, to pastor this church. And it was about eight years ago that I started praying the prayer, Lord, I need a friend. I need a friend that I can be accountable to. I need a friend that I can be honest with. I, I just need a friend that I can, I can just be totally Brad with. And, and I, I knew I needed that friend. I was sharing with somebody between services. Um, just so you know this, it didn't start with me. The reason I started praying that prayer is I started going to a counselor and I started being transparent and real with a counselor for the first time in my life with some areas in my life. And, and it was just liberating to tell one other person. And so it was like I needed more of that in my life and I wanted more of that in my life. So I started praying. I said, Lord, I, I need a friend in my life. And I'm praying that prayer and I'm praying that prayer for quite some time. And uh, one day I was dropping my kids off at Manatee Elementary. And I drop them off school. I'm walking back to my car. And this guy named Dan Walker walks up to me looks me straight in the face, and as best a quote as I can possibly get it, he said this, hey man, 
we're about the same age. Our kids go to the same school. You're a pastor. I'm a pastor. We live in the same neighborhood. We should be friends. That's what he said. And I was like, I'd been praying for a friend. So I was like, yeah, we should be. You know, so we got coffee that week. And that began eight years of us meeting every week um, and us just being friends and being accountable to each other. There's another guy named Jonathan Cronkite who jumped into that. And so the three of us meet on Mondays. We've changed the times and we've changed the dates over the years. Um, But the three of us have met. But it started with me just praying, I need this in my life, God. Will you help me find it? And, And the Lord led me to someone in my life. And I'm just telling you, he'll do the same for you. Because... God knows you need this more than you know you need it. And so if you begin to pray, Lord, will you help me find this person in my life? The Lord will lead you to someone uh, that, that you can begin to be accountable with. The, the second thing is just this, kind of take some baby steps towards this, right? Um, it's, if you're only coming to church, if you're only coming to church um, and you're slipping in and you're slipping out, um, it's going to be really hard for you to go from this kind of a larger group setting where you're sitting in rows looking at me to actually finding a person that you can be accountable to. Now, God might be gracious to you like he was to me, and somebody might just catch you in the foyer one day or the hall. Hey, we should be friends. You know, I don't know. Maybe that'll happen to you like it happened to me. Um, But probably not. You know, it's possible. Um, Some of us are thicker than others. Um, But maybe take some baby steps. If you're coming on Sunday mornings and there's a large group setting like this, maybe take some initial steps to get into a smaller group setting where you can actually get to know people. Uh, Get on a ministry team. Serve with some people. Uh, Get in one of our classes or a small group or a life group or a social circle. Just put yourself in environments where you can actually get to know some people. And as you get to know some people, the Lord might lead you to a person that you can be accountable with, um, somebody you can confess to. And, um, and, and you just have to give those opportunities uh, the chance. Um, and sometimes that happens uh, by just putting yourself in those smaller venues. Um, I always tell everybody this, we can, we can organize groups, but we can't organize accountability partners. So as a church, we can formalize and organize social circles, life groups, classes, that kind of thing. But I can't like formalize, okay, we're going to put everybody in twos and you know, you two are together and you two are together. Like that's just weird. Like the Lord's going to have to make that work and it's going to have to be somebody you trust and you're friends with and you want to be. It it has to be relational. Um, And so in the same way that we can't organize you doing your personal devotions and we can't go knock on your door every morning, hey, don't forget to pray and read your Bible. You know, we we just can't do that. Um, There's got to be some things you own yourself. And finding an accountability partner, finding somebody to confess to, has got to be one of those things that you take on. So pray about it. Take some steps to getting to know people in smaller groups. And number three, remember it's, it's about normal life. It's, you know, when we think about having someone to confess to, having a friend to be accountable to, most of us, we think about it, it's the big bad things, right? It's, it's like every week I got to get, and I got to tell them, well, you know, I'm really struggling with this, and I'm really struggling with this, and I'm really struggling with this. And what you need to know is having an accountability person in your life, having a friend like this, is just about having someone in life who knows you and who you're doing life with and you regularly are being transparent with. So it's usually not about terrible stuff. It's about normal stuff. 
I was telling the staff about this um, in our worship planning meeting, and they said, oh, you should tell that story, which I didn't want to tell this story, uh, but, uh, and you'll hear why I didn't want to tell this story, uh, but it's probably good for me to tell this story. Some of you will think less of me after I tell the story. Um, confession is good for uh, the soul, bad for the reputation. Um, so uh, several years ago, uh, there's this v- game uh, called Clash of Clans that I had on my phone, all right? Now, um, silly game. Some of you are like rolling your eyes. You're like, oh gosh. Uh, some of you have no idea what the game is. Um, and if you looked it up, you would definitely think less of me. But anyway, um, so I had this game, Clash of Clans, and I was getting pretty good. I mean, my, my clan castle was like really, you know, uh, I, I had some really good, and, and I got to this point a few years ago where I was playing it at night. Every, I was in bed before I went to bed. I'd like, you know, do a couple of battles. And every morning, the first thing I would do in the morning would I'd play, you know, around and I'd see how my, you know, if anybody had attacked me in the night. And, and, and it just got to be it, nothing sinful, but just not helpful, not good. And, and, and the Lord just kind of began to convict me of this. And so I talked to my two accountability partners. I said, hey, listen, I need you guys I said, this is, this is ridiculous. I hate to even tell you this, but I'm playing way too much of this silly game. And I need you just to hold me accountable that I'm going to read my Bible before I open up Clash of Clans. And it was just a simple, and I'm telling you, just talking about it took the power of that away. And I mean, I, I, I began to manage my time a lot better. I, I began to you know, and then anytime I was tempted to look at Clash of Clans before I would read my Bible, I was like, oh, they're going to ask me, and I wouldn't want that. And so it just helped me. It empowered me to do what I knew was right um, in an area that wasn't necessarily sinful, but it wasn't helpful, and it wasn't good. Um, there have been all kinds of moments like that uh, where there's just been real life, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with this. When I fast, um, I don't tell everybody when I'm fasting. I don't, I don't broadcast it because Scripture tells us not to. But when I'm fasting, I tell my accountability partners, hey, I'm going to fast for these, this period for this time. And we talk about it because I want them to say, hey, what, what's God teaching you? What's God helping you? What's he showing you as you do this? And so being open with some people is a blessing in so many ways. The last thing I'll just share with you is this, and we'll close. Um, it's not about the questions. It's not about the questions. Um, now, um, the reason I tell you that is, is as you leave today on these tables in the back, there's a list of some questions that I've given you because a lot of people, they don't know how to start this. They don't know how, you know, how's the best way to launch into this. And so I've given you a list of some good questions that you can ask with other people. Um, these are some good questions. Um, you know, after I printed these, I found like 20 more good questions. I'm always finding like, oh, these questions are better than those questions and those questions. And I'll just tell you in the eight or so years that we have been meeting, um, there have been times where we've had different questions and one of them, hey, I found this list of questions. This is really good. And we'll do them for a while and they're helpful. But for the most part, in my accountability relationships, we don't, we don't use a list of questions. Um, we have though. And certainly when we were starting out, questions were helpful. So what I want you to know is it's not about, hey, an accountability partner means I have 20 questions and every day we get together or every week we get together and we ask each other these 20 questions. No, like that's the fastest recipe to you quitting having an accountability partner in your life um, if you have to do that. Um, The nature of it is that you would just be honest and you would be real and you would be transparent with each other. And that as, as there are things that God begins to put his finger in your life, you would talk about it. And the things you would normally keep in secret, 
you would drag it to the light, and you would talk to people. Some of these questions are helpful to do that with. Um, but guys, I'm telling you, you need another guy in your life that you can do this with. Ladies, you need another lady in your life that you can do this with. If we know we have a traitor within, if we know we behave better when other people are watching, if we know that our tendency is to project an image instead of truly to project who we are, then by doing this, it fights that in our life and it begins to give us healing and wholeness and areas and freedom and power where we would have never had it before. And I'm just telling you, it's a good gift that God has given to us. And Satan wants nothing more than to keep you isolated and alone and living in secret. Because as long as it's a secret, it will hold power over you. So I want to pray with us and pray for you. And then we're going to close with song together. Father, I, uh, I thank you for the gift of accountability. I thank you for the gift of being able to confess to one another. And, and Lord, as, as much as we want to resist it, as much as we want to fight against it, and, and as hard as it sounds, Lord, all of us know that there's truth in this. Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness. I pray that you would help us understand that uh, the people who are around us don't have everything together in their life. We're not the only one who is struggling. We're not the only one who has challenges. We're not the only one who is dealing with things in our life. And Lord, that we would be willing to be vulnerable with at least one other trusted person. And Lord, as we're vulnerable, Lord, that we would experience healing we would experience wholeness in ways that we've never experienced before. Lord, I pray for the teenager who's here, who's struggling with this. Lord, I pray that you would teach them early how to be accountable, how, how to live transparently. I pray for the, the older adult who's here who's never done this. And after many, many years of living in secrecy, they're going to need your strength to break a pattern in their life to begin to be transparent. Lord, I pray that you would give them boldness. I pray that you would give them wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would help us um, have eyes to see the people who are around us, that, that we would be wise, that you would help us find one person in our life that we can be truthful with, that we can drag things to the light, and we can find power and freedom over areas that we've struggled with for years. Lord, I'm grateful that you not only forgive us, but you give us a pathway to wholeness. You give us a pathway to healing. And you give us a pathway to restoration. Help us to step into that path. And we'll give you the praise. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing.